What's going on there, Youth Pastors? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. No music today, no, no funny banter. Okay, funny banter is questionable, I understand, but I got a big episode for us today. Today, I am interviewing Jen Bradbury. Jen Bradbury serves as the content director for Fuller Youth Institute and a volunteer youth pastor at a local church. She has more than 20 years of experience in youth ministry. She's the author of several books, including The Jesus Gap, The Real Jesus, Called a Novel About Youth Ministry Transition, and What Do I Believe About What I Believe. And she's here to talk to us today about Faith Beyond Youth Group, her newest book that she has co-authored with Kara Powell and Brad M. Griffin. It is an exciting episode because we're going to talk about things like, do we need a new compass in youth ministry? And what is transformational teaching and how can we do it better? And if you happen to be brand new with us, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Appreciate you being a part today. And of course, if you're a regular, I appreciate your time and your attention. We have a jam-packed episode today filled with wisdom, heart, and tips on how to change the direction of your youth ministry in 2024. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Jen Bradbury, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Paul. Super excited to have you. I have uh, the book right here, Faith Beyond Youth Group, which I think all youth pastors agree that's exactly what they want. Amen, uh, amen. They want this to happen. Uh, but I thought we'd start off our conversation. Uh, I always like to help uh, authors and you know, uh, and, and youth workers establish their street cred with the audience. Totally. So you, so you, so you have, let's say you have 15 minutes before youth group, you've had a busy week, you have limited supplies. What is your go-to youth group game? <laughs> yes, indeed. This is an important question. And this is me <laughs> on a Wednesday night too, Paul. So I definitely, definitely relate. Uh, so I have two. One is a no supply game at all. Uh, and it comes from sort of the improvisation kind of background. So you divide your kids up into teams. It works well to do it into two teams or in four teams, depending on how many kids you have in your ministry. And the game is called categories. So you or someone that's good at leading games is the moderator. And all you have to do is pick a category. So for example, if I was going to play it on this Halloween week, I might pick my first categories as good Halloween candies. And so I say the categories and then you go one at a time around your teams and everybody has to give a candy that is a good Halloween candy. And the first time there's a pause or you can get fun with it and somebody says a candy that you think is a bad Halloween candy, you can make them go out and you keep rotating through the line until you get to the last person. First one to work its way all the way through the line gets a point. Um, you can alternate categories as often as you need to. So if something stalls, if it doesn't work as well as you anticipated it would, just switch categories. But what I like is that it gets everybody participating. You need zero supplies whatsoever. 
kids engage in it really well. It works across ages. So even if you have my current youth ministry is mixed sixth through 12th grade, and it works for the sixth graders and it works for the 12th graders. So that's one of my go-tos. Another one uh, needs just one, well, two supplies. So you need a long rope and then you need blindfolds. And what you do is you blindfold all the kids in your ministry and you give them each a part of your rope, which you have uh, you have fastened into a circle. And then you tell them a shape. So I want you to create a square. And they have to position the rope into a square while they're blindfolded. So this one is really more of a team building kind of game. But I love that, again, it gets all the kids participating. You can have 20 kids on a rope. You can have five kids on a rope. I've done it with 40 kids, totally works. And then afterwards, you can do some processing that gets you a little bit deeper. So just basic questions, what went well, what went poorly, who led, were you a leader or a follower? Is that something that you tend to be in real life? Uh, and it creates, that one takes a while too. So if you're looking for sure. something that just takes a little bit more time, if it's that kind of night for you, uh, that can be a helpful one. Uh, well, yeah, the answer to uh, uh, what what went wrong uh, would be would, would would take the longest in my group. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Let's tell you about all the things that went wrong. This was <laughs> this yes. was a hot mess. Uh, yes. But we have well, first of all, you kicked it out of the park here. Those are two great games that I think uh, both our listeners and our viewers are going to appreciate. And you have established yourself as clearly an experienced youth pastor, and uh, and and so people, everything we talk about today you should just totally listen to. Okay, listen to Jen, what Jen says, because we're talking about her book here, uh, Faith Beyond uh, Youth Group. And this is a fantastic book. I have read it, and I will just say, this was a, a gifted item to me. Uh, and so I want, to know, I want people to know that, that I read it, read it all the way through, and we're going to focus on something very particular today. We're talking about transformational teaching. Before we get into that, though, tell us, Jen, how did this book come about and tell us a little about who your uh, co co collaborators, your co writers are in this. Yeah, great question, Paul. So, Faith Beyond Youth Group is a multi year project. Uh, so, I work for Fuller Youth Institute, and at Fuller Youth Institute, we take research and we turn them into practical resources for church workers. And so, in 2018, 2019, we started working on a project on character formation in young people. And this was a multifaceted project that we did. So at FYI, we tend to try to try to get at research from several different angles so that we have lots of different perspectives, so that we have what researchers like to call a thick description of what is happening in the real world in youth ministry circles. So we started out with a survey and we did a nationwide survey of youth leaders across the country. And that survey was really designed to help us figure out what are youth leaders focusing on in their youth ministries right now? And as kind of an academic perspective, what do we think that maybe is missing from there? And then we take that survey data and then we go a little deeper. So from 350 plus surveys, we then narrowed it down to 90 plus interviews. And these are not like your fast sort of polling interviews, right? Where like two minutes on the phone with someone and you hang up and you're done. 
Uh, these are 90 minute interviews where we are going deep into what we have figured out from the surveys. And then from there, we went and we visited seven noteworthy congregations that were doing this faith beyond youth group thing well. So what we had started to see was that there were some places that were sort of bubbling up as being noteworthy in the way that they were going about nurturing long-term faith. And so from all of that, we pulled all our data together and uh, we again went through sort of a feedback cycle and a vetting process with people to create the Faith Beyond Youth Group Compass, uh, which takes kind of the practices that we saw happening in and amongst these youth leaders um, in these youth ministries and boils it down into five things that we believe are really critical to the formation of character in young people which according to our study is really one of the keys to creating long-term faith that lasts beyond youth group. And my co-collaborators on here, so the three of us who are uh, the authors of the book, it's Kara Powell, who is the executive director of Fuller Youth Institute, Brad Griffin, who is the senior director of content at FYI, and then myself and my role as the content director, all three of us were researchers on this project, so we were involved throughout the whole research collection process, um, and our team really goes beyond that, too. So we had a team of 15 to 20 people working on this research with us throughout the process of going through analyzing, uh, looking at the data with us. In addition to those people, we also brought in practical uh, youth leaders, so people who are practitioners, as well as academics to say, hey, does this fit with what you're seeing? How do we improve it? How do we talk about it better? So that's all part of this process. Well, I find it so interesting. And I guess what maybe caught me off guard was the simplicity of talking about character, because in the early, early 90s, mid 90s, education made a focus of this they yep. they they did a whole program called character counts yep did sure that did. play did that play into this at, at all as well as, as to how as to how it's now playing a factor in faith beyond youth group yeah great question paul so a couple things that i'd say about that so you know in addition to the surveys etc that we were doing we also did a lit review. So we consulted 200 some sources from both popular and academic literature. And so believe me, the character count stuff was prevalent <laughs> in there, right? Like there was a moment in our country where that was big time. Um, and what we saw, if I can paint really broad strokes here for a minute, is that perhaps not directly in relation to that, but it was almost like when that became such a focal point of schools that churches really started saying, eh, we don't have to worry about that so much because our kids are getting it over here. And so when we have limited amounts of time with young people, maybe we need to be looking at some of the other things that are really important in our ministries, whether that's doctrine or Jesus or whatever you put it in your particular context. Uh, and so there's been a, a pendulum swing, right, within the churches that have made a lot of people not focus explicitly on character, particularly because, again, in part, but not just directly because of that, 
But in a lot of places, we look at character formation as behavioral modification. And mm -hmm. we want to be really, really clear that that is not what we are talking about. So even our definition of character, um, what we, again, pulled from scripture, the data, all the research, uh, is this definition of character is living out Jesus's goodness every day by loving God and our neighbors. So we wanted to make sure that people understand that when we are talking about character, we are talking about Jesus. It's the way Jesus lived. It's the way that Jesus actually taught his followers um, to follow him. It's that whole idea that Paul talks about imitating Christ, right? Like we want to imitate Christ so that young people can imitate us and Jesus at the same time. And it doesn't mean that we need young people to get into our Wednesday night or Sunday night space or whenever we're meeting and behave a certain way or yeah. sign purity pledges or whatever, like the behavioral modification kind of elements have been in your spaces. Yeah, the church does uh, is an odd uh, beast as to where it swings the pendulum swings. Um, it it goes one way or or, or it never finds a, quite a um, a balance. It's always either far over here or far over this way, and it's sometimes out of sync with, um, you know. Th then then they then churches as one who's who's been in it a while was saying, you know, <clears throat> if we could just find a good balance, <laughs> if yeah. we could just if we could just like. Yeah. You know, not have to swing to the extremes, but really focus on on something that's going to move the dial. That's something that's going to actually move the ball forward. Uh, and I think when we talk about character, we we think we're talking, like you said, we're not talking about we're not asking young people to be good boys and girls. We're we're asking them to model what Christ has done to know Him as Savior, and then to follow along with that with with their heart as to how god has changed their heart and you bring up some very good points in the book and and you know in the book you offer youth pastors the compass you had mentioned that but can you go ahead and uh and break down first of all can you tell us can you tell us why we need a new compass why does youth ministry need a new compass and two can you tell us a little about the different directions the compass will take youth pastors yeah, again, appreciate that question, Paul. So a couple things that we would say there. So all three of us come from a background where we were all in the trenches at one point or another. Brad and I are still active youth pastors in our local congregation setting as a volunteer uh, in our ministries. And with that, we can honestly say that every youth leader we know is working harder than they have ever worked before. Uh, and yet it feels like the impact isn't what it used to be. So we hear youth leaders constantly say, I've tried everything. Um, we hear a lot of languages of pivoting, especially in the last three years because of COVID, right? Like mm -hmm. I keep pivoting and nothing is working. I can't engage young people the way I used to. Or even this idea of they're showing up, but it feels like, you know, when I go to their social media and I see that what they're posting, or I hear about somebody who cheated on a test or did whatever during the week, right? That there's this disconnect 
And there's this sense in youth leaders of something is broken. Uh, And as a compass is designed to do, right, it's designed to orient you. And that's the idea here. It's a five point compass, not a four point, which I know as a hiker is not, you know, a perfect analogy or metaphor, Um, but we still think it works. And we intentionally framed it as a compass because one of the things that we noticed in youth leaders and in the ministries that we were observing is that while all five of these practices were present, that people were doing them in all sorts of different orders. And so we wanted to reflect the fact that this is not a linear process, but rather this is a process that you can start anywhere. We've seen some youth ministries really lean into areas that they're already doing well in order to kind of strengthen those. And we've also seen youth ministries who say, man, this one is non-existent in my ministry. So I'm going to start there and I'm going to really focus on that. So the five points of the compass are cultivating trust, uh, which is the idea that ministry is relational. Anybody who's been in youth ministry for longer than two seconds knows that, right? Um, But what I think is maybe a little bit of a shift is what we found in our research is that even though young people tend to like their youth pastor, they don't necessarily trust them. And so we are in this moment in time where we actually think that we have to be intentional about cultivating trust both between us and young people, our other leaders and the young people that they serve, as well as peer-to-peer, so that young person to young person, that all of it needs trust as a foundation. Another point of the compass is modeling growth. And so this is the idea that we want you to be able to show up authentically imperfect into your space and model that you don't always have the answers, that you have doubts, that this is a safe place for people to show up when they have not succeeded because you don't always succeed. And so that idea of showing kids, here's what it means to be an authentic adult who doesn't have it all figured out but who's committed to walking a faithful journey with Jesus. And then teaching for transformation, which we're going to talk more about, so I won't get into that one a lot here. Uh, Practicing together. So practicing together is this idea of it's not enough to just teach in whatever space you have young people, that if you actually want to instill character, that you have to actually give young people ways to practice and that the best way to practice is to do it together. So this is that act of moving from the head and the heart to the hands and the feet outward. And then the last element is making meaning. And so this is about integration. It's this idea that a lot of times young people live sort of a separate life, right? As they're trying to figure out their identity, who they are at school is not necessarily the same person that they are at home, who is not necessarily the same person that they are at church. And so in a critical aspect of teaching character, of character formation, is this idea of helping young people to actually make meaning so that their faith gets woven across every facet of their life so that no matter where they are, they are living as a person who is trying to follow Jesus to the best of their ability. Yeah, you're the, in other words, you're the same person, whether you're at school, whether you're at home, whether you're at youth group. And, and, and I think that's a, a critical point is is that you know that uh, that students have 
you know, a lot of students have, and I would say this, a lot of students have that viewpoint because a lot of times youth pastors maybe sometimes aren't the same person. Yes. That they're at church, that they're at home, that they're at work, you know? Yes, absolutely, Paul. And that's, again, going back to the model growth too, that element of what we've seen is that not all young people know what it means to be successful, but every young person knows what it means to fail. And so if they see you as someone who's only ever got it together, who's only ever succeeding, it gives them the message that they can't come, that they are not welcome, that they do not belong unless they have all their stuff together, right? And so like, yes, we want people to be the same across the board. And we also realize that there are times when that is not happening. And so that brings us back to the model and growth of being able to say, I've screwed this up, guys. And here's what that looked like. And here's what I did to make it right. And here's where I encountered God in the middle of that. Yeah, I find most, I find that cropping up in my meetings more and more where I'll just say, guys, let me just tell you about this, <laughs> that, that, I just don't, that I'm just not getting it right these days. You know, a lot of times I'll tell and say, guys, I'm a Christian. I'm just not very good at it some days. I'm just. Uh... <laughs> yes, 100 percent, Paul. And I think everybody who's honest would say that same thing, right? That sense of, yeah, like I am not good at this. I stunk at this today. And, and the good news is that we have a we have models in scripture of a lot yes. of disciples yep. who follow Jesus. Who didn't yep. do very good jobs. <laughs> yes. Who mostly didn't do good jobs. right? And whom Jesus entrusted the preaching of the gospel. Yes. A hundred percent. They had not reached peak perfection. <laughs> they were vastly under, underprepared yep. and, uh, and under motivated and, uh, and, and under smart. <laughs> in a lot of ways uh and i'm not sure if i would have handed over the keys uh to the kingdom so go ahead guys we're you're good go ahead uh yes uh absolutely paul <laughs> i hear you on that and agree stop. <laughs> well let's jump into a chapter that you're very familiar with and by the way uh those that are watching those that are listening there are links down below uh faith beyond youth group there'll be a link down there it comes out november 7th Yep. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, you can get your copy uh, from there. And we want to jump into the chapter that you, like I said, have uh, a bit of focus on. And at the beginning of the chapter, you talk about uh, of Teach for Transformation. Uh, you write about a time when your students uh, basically told you uh, to shut up. Uh, we, we don't we don't want to hear from you anymore. Yep. Um, tell us about that moment. Yeah. I mean, the moment was hard, Paul. The moment (laughs) stunk, right? Like it was the day that I wanted to quit my job and very nearly did, to be honest. So to set the context here before I get into that story specifically. um, So this was when I started the third church that I had worked at. So at that point, I was starting my seventh year in youth ministry And I thought I was pretty good at what I was doing. I thought I knew how to structure a youth group gathering in a way that was engaging, that people would interact with, that they would leave with a faith beyond youth group. And so when I started in this ministry, it was in the Chicago suburbs, 
Um, I did what I always had done, which was essentially the standard formula for youth ministry. So I went in, I led one of those games that we started off the show with, right? Uh, And then I gave a talk and we broke into small groups and we ended with some worship. And I kept doing this for like the first semester that I was there. And along the way, uh, so I inherited a student leadership team in that particular context. And along the way, these student leaders were making it pretty clear to me that they didn't think this was working. Um, So they were dropping hints and they were also saying it rather explicitly that, you know, talks are maybe not the best way for us to learn. Um, But it all it all really came to a head. Uh, When they had decided that I was not listening to them, which I will say, Paul, was true. I was not listening to them. And so they went around me to my boss and essentially said, we don't like what Jen is doing. She's talking at us and we're not getting anything out of it. Uh, And so, you know, my boss met with me, she met with this team of student leaders, she brought in other students who weren't involved in the student leadership team because she wanted to make sure it wasn't just an isolated few who were upset, right, who were just missing the person before me who they had dearly loved, like all the typical youth ministry things, right? My boss did her homework and she did it well here. And it all came to a head when she decided we were going to get together in the same room and that she was going to mediate a conversation. And so these, yes, it was horrible, right? It was as horrible as you think it was. Uh, And so they started and the student leaders came in prepared and their opening line was, we don't want to listen to you talk at us. Uh, And so my boss led us through a conversation about why that was. And um, I went home that night really angry was my dominant emotion, right? Feeling like, how on earth do I work in a place where my boss is allowing a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds to tell me how to do my job? Like, I've been trained at this, right? Like, this is how youth ministry works in the U.S. I'm doing it well. Like, the problem isn't me. The problem is definitely them. And so I sat on that anger for a while and went back into a meeting with my boss where she very, very graciously made the comment of, Jen, I think you're probably pretty good at what you do, and yet it is not working here. So you can keep doing what you're doing, but if you do that, you are going to lose these kids. Is that what you want? And hearing her say it like that, Paul, I mean, it was like something broke in me. Uh, And I went from anger to sadness of just feeling like, how have I not been listening to these kids? They've been telling me all along (laughs) that this isn't working. And yet I have just continued to do the same old talk that I have always done because it works everywhere else. So again, the problem isn't me, the problem is them. And so this really set me on this path, Paul, where I personally started really wrestling with what does it mean to actually teach effectively? How do we teach in a way that not only engages kids when they're in the room with us, but that actually lasts beyond that? 
And so imagine my surprise when more than 15 years later, right, I'm in the middle of this research project. And one of the things that we're seeing again and again is the sense of we've got to teach differently. These places that are forming character are not places where people are standing up and giving your standard talks. They are teaching for transformation, and it doesn't look like what we've always thought it looked like. Yeah, and the you know several things come to mind. Uh, you know, there's a lot of youth pastors who, and I have been in those situations too, where you just feel like it is the Inquisition. Oh it is, yeah, yep. it is. You are clearly your life's work is being just flayed open. Yep, <laughs> and studied, and you're going, how dare you? <laughs> yes, who are, who are you to question me? Yes, I, I've been in this thing for a minute, and I think that's such a good point for youth pastors to understand. And and you correct me if I'm wrong, but your students did you a service in many ways by communicating that. Oh my gosh, yes, Paul. And again, let me emphasize, it did not feel like a service in that yeah. moment, right? But it radically shifted how I did youth ministry from that day forward. And again, to ways that now are showing up in research as uh, maybe those are better ways to be doing teaching. Yeah, I had a student tell me one time, young lady, uh, we're friends to this day. We are, we're, and she came up to me once, one Wednesday and says, Paul, I have no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> I, I think you need to work on your communication skills. I went, what? <laughs> well, what, what did you say? And I thought to myself, but that was also a pivotal moment for me too, that listen, yeah. not everybody gets what you're doing. You have a system in your, we have systems in our minds that students don't understand, but the service I think students did for you, many students won't do. They'll just leave. Yes. They'll just wander off. And then we, as youth pastors, wonder and go, well, what did I do? Or what happened? Or they just didn't get it or whatever. And the reality is, is if students are pushing back, that's a good thing. It's to uh, help. Yes. And it shows engagement, right? Like this group of students cared passionately about their youth group, about their church, and about Jesus. And they cared enough to actually say, this isn't working and we're not going to let you keep doing it because we belong here and we need you to do what's going to work for us. Uh, and Paul, to go back to what you said about the student who talked to you too, like, I think that most youth pastors who have been in ministry for a minute have a story like that, right? And it might not be quite so black and white, but of a kid raising their hand and saying, I don't get it, <laughs> right? Like we've all yeah. had that moment. And yeah. again, I think so often we try to make it about them when the problem isn't them and how they are receiving it. It's us and how we're communicating and engaging. Yeah, and so, right. And so I think the, the takeaway is, listen, youth pastors, uh, free advice here, don't be offended. You know, don't don't be offended by the information. Don't be offended by the pushback. Uh, don't be offended by change, uh, because there's a lot of things that I had to look at, even after that encounter and other encounters, that I had to say, okay, um, you know, I, maybe I need to look deep into myself and say, you know, maybe there's something I need to change about me. Don't be offended that they want more. Don't be offended if you have to change. Yep. Because clearly those folks that you were talking about earlier 
that are struggling in the pivots yes. that they're trying to find their way that students can clue you in students can help you uh be a better youth pastor yes 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 um and i mean those these are students who again i had more than 15 years ago and some of them are still in my life paul and some of them are students that i can look to now and say they truly actually have a faith beyond youth group and i don't think they would have had we not made those pivots when we did had we not started engaging in a very different way inside the youth group so that they could then go outside the youth group with their faith. Exactly. And I'm in the same position. I have many students in my, in my life that we talk and they have their own ministries or, you know, yeah. my wife serving on their board or something like that. And it's a, it's a great feeling. Great. And we also know that there's great parents involved. We're, we're not the, uh, the arbiters yes. of, of, of all things. We, we are a piece of that puzzle in some way. And, uh, to dive a little bit deeper, you talk about teaching for transformation isn't what we think it is. You 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 said that. So what is it that what is transformative transformational teaching and what keeps youth pastors from doing it well? <laughs> yeah. So I I have a lot to say about this, Paul, but the bullet note <laughs> please, version. Please do, please do. The bullet note version is uh transformational teaching is teaching in a way that brings about engagement both inside and outside the room. And so it typically is not one-way transmission, which is how most youth pastors think they ought to teach. And so that like how we ought to teach comes from a couple different places. So in the book, we talk about this idea of ministry models. And so you have a model in your head of what youth group is supposed to look like. Sometimes that model comes from Bible college. Sometimes it comes from seminary and a preaching class. Sometimes people don't have either one of those. And it comes from the model that you grew up with in your own youth ministry. Um, but those models are not actually, they're not built on what even the latest research in academics is telling us about the best way to teach. So we need to think through not just what we can learn from academia, but also what we can learn from Jesus. So there has been, I think, a strain away from looking at how Jesus actually taught in the Gospels. Wait, and you don't you mean go, I don't have to go to college to learn how to transformation oh teach? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, 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 Paul. Again, <laughs> this might be a newsflash or it might not, but let's look at scripture. And when you go to the Gospels, how do you see Jesus teaching? You see Jesus teaching by walking alongside his people, right? By modeling growth, by cultivating trust, by doing these other elements of the Faith Beyond Youth Group Compass. But you also see Jesus equipping his disciples by actually teaching through questions. So we at FYI have started saying a lot, don't make a statement when you can ask a question. So like one of the basic things that you can do to teach for transformation is to stop talking <laughs> and ask questions. So we can actually teach through questions. I think there's this fear that if I stop, that they're not going to have the right answer. And some do in your context. Um, but there is this sense in scripture that Jesus 
always taught by asking questions and Jesus taught by telling stories and that element of kids will remember our stories because they care about us, right? So tell the story, teach like Jesus did, tell a modern day parable. Uh, and another element there that I think is really important, Paul, is the sense of um, giving our authority away. So going back to my story of my own young people, one of the things they told me was we want to teach. And I looked at them and went, you can't teach. You don't know how to teach. I know how to teach. And they were like, well, then you teach us how to teach, right? Uh, but in scripture, again, like we see Jesus commission his disciples, not just once, but multiple times. He sends them out in twos. He's constantly telling them to go out. Matthew 28, of course, the great commission. He shares his authority with his disciples. Uh, and so we need to do that same thing. And sometimes that looks like formal student leadership teams, but sometimes that looks like inviting a young person to come and to share about something that they're really interested in. I had this kid once, Paul, uh, his name's Connor, and he loved geography, like loved geography. And so we were on a mission trip once and he was like, Jen, I think we should do a week on biblical geography. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, I want to know where Jesus went in like real terms. Like I want to plot it on a map. And I was like, okay, do you think anybody else is going to care about this? And he was like, yeah, I think people are going to care about this. Uh, and so I was like, great, Connor, how about you lead this conversation? And so I walked alongside of Connor as he actually went through and looked at some scriptural stories and plotted it out. And he gave this, uh, I won't say a talk because it was a conversation. He led a conversation about why Jesus's actual place and geographic location mattered to the story. And the kids were super engaged because it was their friend leading the conversation, right? And Connor walked away with a newfound understanding of why this mattered and how Jesus's geography shaped Jesus's identity and how it shaped his ministry and those kinds of things that like, had I stood up and said that everybody would have had my exact reaction, right? Of like, I don't care about this. Um, but when it was another kid who was leading the conversation, it creates a different environment for young people to engage in. Uh, yes, and uh, I am thankful that uh, the Lord taught me this uh, years ago now, where allowing a student, students will listen to other students more so than they'll even listen to me, because there's a certain credibility there. There's a certain uh, even respect, a higher respect that their peer is getting up yes. to share. And so uh, me having uh, students now, I'm almost, I think uh, I have a small youth group. I think I have like seven students. It's a very rural church. Yep. Uh, but for the past two years, once a month, it's student-led night. They choose everything. It. They do everything. Uh, and the great thing that I love about it too is that um, that the churches understand this as well, that I had a young lady teach and, and she's a, a freshman in high school. And she taught, and I think she taught the same lesson that the women's ministry invited her to come teach uh, to them, with them as well. So part of, of putting this all together, I, I think, in this transformational style is, first, like you said, we have to be willing to give away 
there's yeah. nothing a student can do, can't do that we can't help them do. We limit them yeah. to, you know, how many uh, chair videos do you have to watch about, you know, kids, <laughs> you know, putting away chairs and that you know, these bros are, you know, like you want to, you know, get the ladies, yeah. you know, stack chairs and all this other stuff. Like, why don't we just have them teach? Let's say, Paul, what would they, well, it's a trust factor. We, we see it as a, a wasted night because we didn't get up there and teach. Uh, and it's a throwaway night. And I would say uh, it, to youth pastors that are watching and listening, it is not a throwaway night because these students, the students that you give that to are going to remember that far more than any lesson that you'll, you'll ever teach is that when they were given the opportunity to teach or to preach or to have the conversation, that's the thing that they go, I did that in youth group. I think that's probably one of my mottos is I want kids to say when they're asked, where did you learn that? Well, I learned that in youth group. My, yes. my youth pastor trusted me. Yes. And again, you just hit the key word again there, Paul, right? It comes back to trust and to this element of we want kids to trust us, but in order for them to trust us, we've got to trust them too. That's right. It's mutuality. It's embedded in relational ministry and what that looks like. And, you know, in education, like educators have known this for a long time, that if you want to teach something to someone, have them teach it to someone else. And that's what we're doing by inviting kids to teach. And again, don't settle for heresy. Like we're not advocating that. I want to be really clear, right? <laughs> Walk alongside them. So Connor didn't just get up there cold and lead this discussion. He and I worked through it. He brought me a rough draft of discussion questions. We talked about what makes a good discussion question. He wrote them. We inserted some scriptures in places where he felt like, yeah, I don't think this has enough here, right? So it was his, but he wasn't alone in doing it because it was also about discipling him. And we saw this in our research too. One of the churches that we went and visited inner city urban church in Boston, uh, like so many churches, right, completely undone by the pandemic, hard to figure out what was coming next, etc. Um, and their worship attendance in Sunday worship, so big church, had really, really dropped off. And this pastor was somebody who was listening and who had some kids who actually came up and said, well, what if we made Sundays look a little bit more like youth group? And so this pastor actually started giving a shorter sermon on Sundays so that they could, in their old-fashioned sanctuary that still has pews attached to the ground, turn and form small groups with whoever was sitting around them, and they flash the questions up, and they're intergenerational, and everybody is engaged and talking and participating and it is such a beautiful thing for both the older folks in the congregation, but also the young people who are like, we actually want to be in church because it's interesting. We aren't just listening to what's going on. We're participating in it. And participation in teaching is such a key aspect of teaching for transformation. And, and like you said, it is an opportunity for discipleship because yes. you help them do the message. You help them understand the scripture or the context. You let them do it. Then you have the postmortem. Yes. You, know, uh, you go over so, how did that work and how did that do yep. that? That, that whole process adds up. I mean, how much time do you spend discipling when you just get up there and do it yourself? Nothing compared to what you just allowed this student to do. 
Yes, Paul, preach. <laughs> that is so absolutely true, right? And let's be honest, going back to the same sort of thing that you asked about the games, right? Sometimes we are last minute prepping our message or our conversation when we're doing it ourselves. So sometimes like we're not even really discipling ourselves in the message prep or in the discussion prep. And right. so this forces everybody to slow down and to go back to scripture, to think about what Jesus did, to anchor us in what's important and to teach in a way that actually matters. Absolutely. hundred percent. Now, Jen, as we begin to kind of land the plane here, could you yep. offer some more teaching for transformation ideas or tips for youth pastors who are saying, well, Paul, how do I, how does this look in, in real time? What are some, you know, how can I orient myself to, to do more of this where it's either more engaging or, or more uh, where I am, uh, you know, having this dynamic that maybe I didn't have before? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. I love that question. Again, I can get on my soapbox for a long time here, but I'll try to just give a handful of really tangible things. So one of the things that we're seeing is there are ministries that are simply too large for us to be able to just do discussion oriented, right? And so we've had people from large settings who are going, well, what does that mean for me? Like, I buy this, I get this idea that this matters, and yet logistically, <laughs> I've got 100 kids or I've got 50 kids. I can't have a conversation that engages them all. So in that setting, one of the things that you can do is to go into small groups. You can use something that we refer to as parent share, where you give a question or a prompt from the front of the room and you ask kids to come together with someone to share their answer. And then you invite into the large group space a handful of those people to share with everyone. We are also big fans, again, particularly in this moment where we're seeing a lot of churches having to compress ministries. So a lot more combined middle school and high school ministries that we were seeing even a decade ago, right? Um, and one of the things that you can do to teach for transformation in those settings is to use movement. So this idea that recognizes that particularly with middle schoolers, that developmentally, like they just cannot sit still very long, right? Like, again, if you've tried to give a talk for longer than seven or eight minutes, you know this because they are jumping out of their seats, ready to move. <laughs> so start putting movement in whatever you're doing, whether it's a discussion or a pause in your talk. You can have people do things like vote with their feet. So raise a question and say, we're going to go to the four corners of the room, depending on what you think your answer to this question is, and then literally require everybody to move to one of those corners and then process. So start with the corner that has the fewest kids in it and go to that corner and say, why are you standing here? Why did you come to this place? And now everybody has already participated because they've already moved somewhere. So one of the things that ends up happening when you do this is that even your introverts sometimes have a reason for being in the place that they are. So they're a little bit more inclined to actually speak up than in some of the other environments that we put them in uh, and invite people to share, you know, why, why did you move where you did? 
let people continue to move. So if somebody makes a compelling argument, they can bolt across to a different corner, right? But then ask, what made you change your mind? Those kind of why and what questions help us to actually give ownership of faith back to young people, which leaves them thinking about those things. Um, you can also ask people to journal responses. So this works well, literally in every setting. You've got a large group, great, it works. You got five kids, great, it works. A mixed setting, great. All introverts, it works there. All loud kids, it works there too. But that same sense of raise a question and invite people to journal their responses to it. Uh, in one of the one of the youth pastors that we talked to in this process, he actually would take the journals that his young people did. So every week he would ask a journal prompt and he would actually ask with their permission that they left their journals there and he would read what they wrote and actually write back to them. And so talk about cultivating trust, Paul, right? Like what this guy was doing was brilliant because he knew what was going on in the life of every kid in his ministry because they were journaling about it and he was responding and they were seeing that response. You can also do this with experiential kind of activities. So gamify what you're talking about or put in a prayer activity that again gets people moving. Maybe it's even got like a craft sort of modality with it. All of those can be elements of teaching for transformation because they engaged kids holistically and with their whole beings. My number one go-to for, for that type of environment is I'm a big prayer station guy. Love prayer stations. Love, love doing it Christmas, love doing it at Easter, especially and then there's other things you can do it around, just going to various stations and have that movement you were talking about, just being able to move around and engage. You know, oftentimes I'll say, hey, guys, all I ask from you is just don't talk. Don't talk to each other. Yep. Engage with the scripture, engage with the questions that are on the table or something that you're doing. And then when you're done, just go and have a seat. And then we'll process after this as to, you know, which table, you know, which station were you engaged with or which table were you did you think the lord maybe spoke to you about something in your life and and i cannot i cannot uh, say enough about the movement aspect of of getting students into that mode where they're not just sitting and listening you know i've had you know we i've heard it say you know where pastors say look we teach kids from the time they're in children's church to sit quietly put their hands in their lap yep and then when they get in youth group we tell them sit quietly, listen to the speaker, don't be rowdy or rambunctious. And then we're shocked that when they're adults, they sit in church with their hands in their laps, yep. with their mouth shut, and there they are. Yes, Paul. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and what you're saying too with the processing piece, I want to grab onto that for a second, because going back to the compass, processing is how we make meaning, right? Like that is a critical piece of that. So whether it's with a major world event with what's happening in the Middle East right now, or with the prayer stations that you do in church, like that's part of the integration asking, what did you think? Why does it matter? Where was God in this experience helps young people integrate their faith and their character into their daily lives? Yeah. Every meeting can have meaning. Yes. We, love that. If we 
if we design it that way. Yes. Intentionality is key. That's right. And prepping and those things, like we talked about, is is key to making sure that we're uh, we're engaging students in that and, and asking, are we asking questions? Is there movement? How do we how do we process the meeting? How can a kid walk away with greater insight into yeah. our evening uh, to take home with them? And maybe they share it with somebody or maybe they share it with their parents or whoever that may be. This is a fascinating uh, discussion. And I want to say again that Faith Beyond Youth Group available November 7th. Uh, Jen, uh, you crushed it. Not only just your chapter, but everything that, that's included through there. I think youth pastors, uh, youth leaders, whether they're volunteers, whether they're part-time, bo- bivocational, full-time, small group, big group, uh, you know, like you said about compasses. Compasses, you know, it tells you where true north is. Yep. You start somewhere. Yep. And then you can move. There's Youth pastors, you're probably doing something well. You're probably doing something good. It's just a matter of where you're at on the compass to say, how do I, how do I then go back to some of these other places, uh, these other directions that I can go? Yeah. And Paul, what you just said there is so important. Like we have been so encouraged by the stories from youth pastors who are already reading, who are already using this book, who have said, Hey, I didn't actually realize I was doing anything well. (laughs) And this helped me see that I've got something and we really believe that, Paul, after all the conversations we've had with youth pastors, both in this research, but also in the other work we do, youth leaders are hardworking, they're dedicated, they're passionate, they love Jesus, and you are doing something right. And so the compass helps show you what that something right is so that you can lean into it and leverage it in a way that actually increases your impact with young people and their families. Exactly. So good, Jen. Jen, tell us a little bit more about how youth pastors can get a hold of you, follow you, uh, any of the, uh, we'll put all the all the things that Jen is about to say will be down in the doobly-doo or in the show notes. And uh, and, and you can share, just tell folks how they can, uh, how they can get in touch with you, engage with the book or other Great. processes. Because I will say this, the the it's getting to the end of the year. And if you don't do anything else, youth pastors, on, in the back, there is a little, uh, there's like a, a little. Um, it's an assessment. Uh, assessment. End of the year. This would be great for, to do with your kids, to do it for yourself, first of all, do it with your kids yeah. and maybe even do it with a few key parents as to maybe where you're at in the process of your, of your compass. Yes, a hundred percent. So you can get the book anywhere that books are sold. You can find out more about both the book as well as trainings that we'll be putting out there at faithbeyondyouthgroup.com. And you can connect with me personally on social media at YMJen. Jen Bradbury, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your heart and sharing it with us about transformational teaching. I know that youth pastors uh, that are listening, that are watching, are going to be encouraged. That's our first hope is that they're yeah. encouraged. Uh, and then uh, I also believe that they've, uh, many of them probably have said to themselves, I can, I can change a few things. I can, you know, work on me a little bit. And so that my students will benefit from that. 
Oh, love that all. That's the hope. And thanks for your great questions and the conversation today. And I want to thank all of you for your time today and listening to our conversation today. If you enjoyed this conversation and you got great value from it, and I hope you did, there's really a lot in there. I hope that you took a lot of notes. I hope you download this and listen to it again and, and go through the show notes and check out the links, purchase the book. And if you really, 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 really love this episode, Man, I'd really appreciate it if you went ahead and left some stars and a review wherever you're listening to this podcast at so that other youth workers just like you will get what you just received. And that's it for today, Youth Pastors. Thank you again for being here. And don't forget, if nobody's told you lately that you're doing a great job, let me tell you, you're doing a great job and you're only going to get better. See you guys in the next episode.